0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Recovering Faith Podcast. If this is your first episode, thanks for joining me. And if you're a regular listener, thanks for coming back. Uh, as was the last couple of weeks, I'm still just doing the podcast and not a blog because it's extremely difficult for me to type. And if this is if you're just turning in um, short uh, Reader's Digest version, I cut the end of my finger off while I was uh, remodeling my house and I had to have surgery and so I really can't type and therefore I'm going with handwritten notes and uh, just doing a podcast and not a blog because it's really difficult for me to type and hopefully in the future once I have full use of of both hands I will type up these uh type up these episodes and make blogs, but for now I'm just they're just gonna be a podcast. So Also, uh, today's episode may be a little bit shorter. We'll see how it goes because um, because of the whole finger thing, um, I'm in actually quite a lot of pain at the moment. And so I probably won't make this a long episode, but I'll try to do it justice even if and if it's short. And today's topic is to be in the world and not of the world. And as Christians, I grew up Christian, and uh, if you grew up Christian, you know that's something you heard a lot. You need to be in the world and not of the world. And every Christian, at least anyone who's been a Christian any length of time, has heard that. We're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. And if you look for that verse in the Bible... I want to save you some trouble and tell you that there is no verse in the Bible that says to be in the world and not of the world. The idea is biblical, but that exact statement isn't in the Bible. Uh, that it comes from a bunch of different places in the Bible, where uh, some verses will tell you that we're supposed to uh, be part of the world as far as you know, uh, influencing the world. And other verses will tell us to not conform to the evils of the world, and so forth and so on. But with all of this talk about uh, to be in the world and and not of the world, what does it actually mean to be in the world and not of the world? Well, the basically um, the basic sentiment behind that is that we're supposed to be part of the world, we're supposed to participate in life, but we're not supposed to act like the world. We're not supposed to do the evil things the world is doing. And there's a couple of verses in the Bible that tells that we're not supposed to be like the world. In John fifteen nineteen, Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own but because you're not of the world but I chose you out of the world because of this the world hates you and so not that verse points out two things not only that we're not to be like the world but it also points out that because we're different from the world the world will hate us for it and if you have watched the news or Listen to the radio or watch TV or open a magazine or newspaper or not been hiding under a rock, then you know that right now is a tough time to be a Christian because popular society is really hammering hard on Christianity and trying to portray the Bible and everything the Bible supports as bigoted or whatever other um, derogatory terms they can come up with. And so Jesus warned us that we would be hated for serving him, and so when people hate you for being Christian, it should not surprise you. And so uh, Jesus understood the tension that we had experienced as Christians living in a hostile ideological environment. And the authors of the New Testament also encouraged us to continue our relationship with the world around us but to also be careful to live in a way that pleases god not the culture uh, 1 john two fifteen 15 says do not love the world nor the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him 1 corinthians 5 9 through 10 i wrote you in my letters not to associate with immoral people i did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and, and swindlers or with the idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world romans 12:2 and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect and james 1:27 Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in the distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what does it really mean to be in the world but not of the world? And how do we decide uh, which shows we ought to watch or which environments we ought to avoid or which activities are quote-unquote out of bounds? It may be helpful to examine these questions from the perspective from the perspective of location and information. So in the world, it's our point of location. So Paul was right when he said that we would have to leave the world if we wanted to truly separate ourselves from the immoral worldly people, uh, from the immoral worldly people, and that's not at all what God is asking us to do. The fact that you may be in a location where your Christian worldview is being challenged is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, God may have placed you there so that you can have a positive impact on those who don't yet know Jesus, or at least learn more about the culture so that you can influence it later. And there are, you know, God wants us to be, He doesn't want us to be isolated from the world, because if we're isolated from the world, we can't do our duty as Christians, which is to positively influence the world. Now, there is a group of people who the Amish who only got the part of this principle. Uh, they got the "be not." Uh, they skipped the part that, that says uh, to for them to be in the world but not of the world. I don't think you'd find a group of people that are less of the world than the Amish people, but they've isolated themselves so much they are not in the world. And the reason that's bad is because if you isolate yourself from the world, then you are not having any kind of impact on the world. And in one of Jesus' sermons, he talked about that. In Matthew five thirteen through 16, he said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So if you isolate yourself from others and you're not doing good deeds among the non-believers and uh, then you're not becoming a positive influence to the world and you're not, you're not helping a lost and dying world to come to God. So we're, we're supposed to live among the world, but we're not supposed to act like the world. Now, when it says, "when it refers to of the world," uh, that is our source of information or our source of uh, uh, morality or whatever else. And one of my concerns, um, a lot of Christians are always concerned about being influenced by society and influenced by these things in society and we can choose to uh some things to cut out to avoid and there are obviously some things that we should definitely not participate in in society and anything that the bible says it is bad is still bad even though god said it thousands of years ago because god doesn't change and if it was a sin then, it's a sin now. And so God wants us to live among the world and yet not conform to the evils of the world. And in Romans 12:2, 2, it, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. So in the time that Paul wrote this, Rome was a pretty wicked place. And Rome was ripe with idol worship, sexual depravity, and all sorts of varied sins, uh, which is a lot like society is today. I know right now, it's a harder time to be a christian than it was when i was young but it would be foolish to say that the world has never been this bad i mean in the time of rome well shortly after uh, what that verse is written it became a very very bad time to be a christian in rome and they were actually actively killing the christians and right now uh, sometimes Christians get discriminated against, or they get blacklisted in Hollywood, or you know, things like that. But at least here in America, they're not Christians aren't getting their lives taken away from them. But I remember growing up when pretty much everybody believed in God and uh, had prayer in school and all these other things. And now uh, this is the most godless society's ever been in my lifetime. But I know that. There are places in the world that are a lot worse, and I know that there have been uh, a lot of times in the world that are a lot worse. But just because something's popular in society doesn't mean that we should do it. Because, uh, as I said before, God's law doesn't change. Uh, The gospel doesn't change. God doesn't change. However, uh, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to shun those who are not living according to the will of God. Uh, And by treating them poorly that's never going to bring them around and have them to repent. Jesus loved those who were not living in accordance with his will or his gospel, but he never changed his doctrine to suit them, nor did he ever water down his message to avoid offending people who were in sin. And he never minimized the gravity of sin, and he never justified anyone in committing sin. And what I mean by that, I mean, sure, when we talk about justification, uh, God justifies us in that He forgives us and He grants us salvation. But He never says, "Oh, it's okay if you go commit that sin; it's all fine." But we all sin, and through faith and try and. Uh, through faith that we can be saved but when I say that God never justified sin he never says oh that sins fine because God doesn't like any sin and he has told us not to sin and Jesus didn't make light of sins in fact he would commonly call people's sins out when Jesus uh, met the woman at the well he had uh, called out her sin uh, which is she is living with a man she wasn't married to and as a result she wound up telling the village about jesus and a lot of people in the village were converted and then uh if you grew up in church you're probably familiar with the story where jesus went to this pool of water where every so often the angels would disturb the water and the first person in the pool would be healed and there was this one man that had been uh, lame and blind for I think it was eight years, and he never could get in the pool. And Jesus came up and asked him if he wanted to be healed. And so he said that he wanted to, but he never could, once the water was traveled, he never could get in the water before somebody else got in because he's lame. And so Jesus healed him. Well, then later. Outside the temple, Jesus encountered this man again, and he told him, "Not he told him to uh, stop sinning, or else something worse might happen to him." And that was in John chapter five, I believe. And then another time, Jesus called out, was con- caring and concerning with somebody, but at the same time called out their sin or didn't make light of their sin was the woman caught in adultery. Jesus told her that he didn't condemn her, but he didn't say that it wasn't a sin. And in fact, he told her to go home and sin no more. Jesus was always preaching repentance, not acceptance. He he never come up to somebody and told them that the most important thing was for them to be true to themselves. He told everybody that they needed to take up their cross which was not a pleasant thing. He told them, "Take up their cross and follow Him." He didn't tell them to be who you to be your uh, to be true to yourself. He said to take up your cross and abandon your sins. And so, according to the Bible and and the teachings of Jesus, we should accept all people in church and make them all feel welcome while at the same time not making any concession to sin. When somebody comes in our church that doesn't look like us or or smell like us or think like us or vote like us or anything, we should absolutely make them feel welcome. But if that person is living in sin, we shouldn't make light of their sins or change the rules of the church so that it won't appear that they're living in sin. And if a person is living in sin, we absolutely should not give them a position of leadership in the church for lots of reasons. One reason is it shows that it's okay. The other reason is that uh, other people will follow their poor example. But also, if somebody is not willing to commit to living their life as uh, Jesus told them to, then they shouldn't be leading other people and they're not ready to lead. But. Uh, popular society today says that loving the sinner isn't enough. Popular society wants Christianity to either become just like the world or to go away. And there is a one of the candidates that's trying to become uh, president for in two thousand twenty said recently that they would take away all the tax and they take away the tax free status of any religious organization that did not conform to societal norms and i say that forcing religion to accept sin in the name of diversity or inclusion would be the end of religion and i personally think that that is the ultimate goal of these people that they want to end religion because they hate god and everything about religion and it might be some people may be tempted to throw up their hands and say well this is too hard i don't want to do it but there have been harder times in history and we need to not conform to the world we need to live our life according to the dictates of the gospel, while at the same time being loving and compassionate to the world. And that's the only way that the world through us is going to change. People are never going to come to gospel or come to Christ because, because we're condemning them or because we hate them. They're going to come to Christ because we're kind to them. And in the process, they will change their life. And so that's pretty much all I have for this episode. As I said, I knew this would be a little bit of a shorter episode because um, I'm not feeling that well right now. And hopefully uh, hopefully next week is a little bit longer, and hopefully in the very near future I can actually have a blog as well and not just a podcast. Uh, Thanks for sticking with me. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to uh, go to GeneCurl.com and to comment. Or you can go to the Recovering Faith uh, Facebook page. Or you can find me on Twitter at Gene Curl. And so you can contact me any of those ways. And um, again, thanks for listening. And God bless and hope to catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.